Welcome to a special episode of the 2% Solution Podcast, where we're diving into the healing power of movement with the extraordinary Jenny Cohen. Born in Taipei, Taiwan, and flourishing in the U.S., Jenny is not only an outside-in recovery master and breast cancer survivor, but also a multi-time number one best-selling author. She's the visionary behind the Dance to Heal program and podcast, fostering a safe space for everyone to heal through dance. Living in Salt Lake City with her husband, fraternal twins, two pups, and no joke, 11.3 cats. Jenny embodies resilience and transformation. Today, she's here to share how embracing movement can unlock a deeper connection to our inner selves, demonstrating that in spite of life's challenges, we are created in beauty and perfection. Stay tuned as Jenny unfolds her inspiring journey and how you can start your own healing through dance. I'm just going to open it up with this question. All right. So Jenny, I was going to say you're the inside out master. That'd be kind of weird. But you're the outside in master. And I think this is going to be awesome for us to kick off here. Because I I know people that come to your profile, they might be wondering, what does that mean? So just talk about where that moniker came from. But why is that so uniquely Jenny? It's uniquely Jenny because we're usually told meditation is the key to freedom in your mind. And what I would do is have a silent panic attack while trying to sit still, while focusing on my breath. And the only way I started to still my mind was to move. That outside-in method was moving meditation. That was key, folks. Some people can't do it. There's a reason why. We haven't addressed past traumas because we weren't given permission to acknowledge we had moments of childhood where we felt powerless. I came from the generation, it was, you got to toughen up your kids. Like, who, you know, right? Who's going to worry about your poor dropped ice cream cone? Some children, it's not a big deal. Some children, that's actually really traumatic. And we will inside our bodies and minds because we felt powerless in that moment. We have to make up a script to make sense of the world, right? Other than parents are poo-poo heads. You can't do that because you're stuck with them. So you got to come and internalize, I was being the poo-poo head. Mm. I don't deserve the ice cream. And then you spiral into these layers. So for me, the key of life for me was to turn it on its head. It wasn't inside out. It was actually outside in. Mm-hmm. Moving first, then it quieted my mind. And then I was able to go inward at that point and go, hey, subconscious, mm. help me. I know you're trying to keep me safe, but really, I don't want to crave the carbs now that I'm in menopause and they don't serve me, right? Because I grew up, I'm 55 now, so I grew up in, in junk food land times where, you know, that's part of self-soothing and that does not serve me anymore. However, because my old looping systems are keeping me safe are not going to go for the gluten-free stuff because one, it looks weird, right? And sometimes it tastes weird. So why, why, why would it want me to do something new where it mm. cannot provide safety systems set up all my life? You know what? Let's, I love this idea of the outside in and how you're the outside in master. And we'll talk about some of the methodologies that you have truly pioneered. But more importantly, I know it's making a huge impact not only in your communities locally, but globally. And, and so I want to get to that because I know that's going to be really actionable items for those that are listening or watching today. 
But before we get there, I think I'd love to talk, or if you're open to it, I'd love to hear your perspective on the journey that got you to this place. Because, you know, what you're saying is really interesting. I prefer walking meditation. I, I had to come to that. But I know for the longest time I was told, just sit still, quiet your mind, work on your breathing. I even did a seven-day Vipassana thinking, okay, this is going to crack the code for me. I'm going to become a master meditator. And I realized it just, it felt harder and harder. The more I tried to stay still, the harder. So I, you're, you're praising the idea of movement first. And, and so just how did it all come about? Like why? why you and how did that, how did you come to that discovery for yourself? But now also to get to the place that you want to share it. You know? Yes. Before I take you into 55 years ago, more <laughs> recently, it was after my breast cancer was yeah. done and I was released to the world and I had been using dance as a way to recenter myself mm -hmm. and not be fearful I might die and not survive the treatment, right? Mm. So dance was an amazing exchange of energies and I really loved it. When I was done, I didn't want to process the feelings of being trapped because quite honestly, we like to gaslight ourselves. We have to really. Mm -hmm. You're going through chemo. You have to go, oh, this is not a big deal. I'm a warrior. A, war a warrior, <laughs> not a warrior. A warrior. <laughs> And then you get home and you're sitting by yourself so fearful it's going to come back. Your body's no longer the same. So dance became an escape. And then I missed the signs of one of my kids being really in danger. Really like they some some trigger warnings for your audience. So yes, please. my child was going through pretty intense self-harm and making oh. plans not to be around anymore. Oh. And told me, thank gosh, we had a relationship. Yes. They woke me. And I went to clinical mode. That's my usual mm. thing. I'm mom. I'm the fix it. I, I fix things. I'm an right. occupational therapist. So being in clinical mode, we set up therapy, locked up the knives. And I thought, this is great. You're good. I'm going to go right back to hiding in my dance. Two weeks later, I'm getting joked up. I want to tap a little bit. <laughs> Two mm. weeks later, they had a severe relapse. Like mm. they found 50 knives I had missed because oh. I wasn't present. Brand new, fresh fillet knives, folks. Like a brand new one in the little cardboard sheath. And picked up their arm. And as I was butterflying their skin together, and I'm looking in the eyes of a complete stranger, it was the universe. It was God going, if you do not at present right now, you're going to lose this precious baby that you went through in vitro for. This child is not going to make it to adulthood if you don't get your act together. That was when I went, oh my gosh, I am not present. I'm not going to even know when they're in danger. And I homeschooled my kids. I knew before I started to run away from myself. I knew whenever they were not 100% when they were connected. And I had missed all that from when I was diagnosed because I disassociated until I was released, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, so you must have maybe ran in your, did the cancer run in your family? And I was like, no, I was the first one to get it. And here's what's so crazy. My husband and I, we've always been able to control allergies with diets. Mm -hmm. And I have just gone full on vegan. He was vegan. He's been a triathlete for all, we're 30 years, 35 years together now. But back then, seven, eight years ago, 10 years ago, he'd been a vegan. And he was like, you got to go vegan. I'm like, I right, fine, I'll go vegan. And I was at my pre-baby weight, at my strongest. And then I found that lump thinking, oh, it's just like from cancer from college when I got the lumps. No, it wasn't. I was in my mid-40s and they're like, that's not a good thing. And then you trace back, oh, it's because my husband had emergency surgery the month before I found the lump. 
and I was a single parent. Oh, you go back further. My, our, one of our, we have fraternal twins. So the other twin was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So I had not slept mm-hmm. in six years. My child might die in the middle of the night. You go back a little further. It, so it was an accumulation of stress in my life where I always felt trapped. And if you go back far enough, it was just me feeling powerless and it just accumulated until I got the cancer. Here's the thing. Movement is essential. When things stop moving in our body, we die. When we're in trauma or some type of stress event where we feel powerless, it's the equivalent of dying in that moment because we're frozen. So the key to life is always movement, vibration, anything. That's why I was like, y'all, we all got to be moving. I don't, no one needs to be a performance. You're not performing for no one. Move. It's so powerful. And she about the movement because that, then you throw the music in there and we got some dancing and, and I guess. I, I always think about that act, you know, dance like no one's watching. Today, we're going to pretend that everyone's dancing to learn, okay? So dancing like we're all learning. And, and But why is it? Why dance? Like, how does dance tap into that subconscious? I'm really curious. Like, from your experience, and obviously you were clients on the, in the same sort of methodology and process, like, what is it about dance that connects that su- subconscious and makes us more aware of that subconscious or maybe some of the feelings that we've been suppressing? And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Wow. So I've got, I'm a consummate learner and I have acclimated this umbrella understanding. Ready? Ready? So <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's go. First of all, science is now starting to prove. Mm. I want to remember I address all of this. Mm. Science has been able to document that when we dance, it's one of the few things that unites every part of your brain. Mm. So your whole, usually when we're in any type of stress, Parts of our brain will shut down because we must be in saving ourselves. Dance is one of the few things that lights up every part of your brain and unites it in one endeavor at the same time. Two, they've also documented frequencies of sound. So there's a vibrational frequency where we can level up in our lives. All right. Frequency can be found in music. They say, oh, so what? Oh, here's what's so what? Water vibrates to the sound waves of music. Our bodies are mostly water. So one of the times when our minds are having trouble turning us towards a better frequency, the outside vibrations of music help us pivot towards that. That's really that whole idea of why dance is good. And here's the thing. You ever listen to someone singing and you just start crying? (laughs) Yeah. How people in all different cultures around the world can be moved by someone's voice. Their voice box vibrating touches us at levels we cannot even comprehend. That's the key. If we just marry that with movement, it's unhealing. That's incredible. I I love it. And it makes complete sense because I do recall reading a study or two, or more so Mm -hmm. synopsis of a study. And speaking to that, because they've also done similar work in the fitness space and music also has a similar positive effect on just getting into our bodies, but also it, it subdues that perceived exertion level. It actually allows us to work a little bit harder without us even realizing we're working a little bit harder. And that's that power of music as well. So this makes total sense what you're saying. Can you, you share a story where you've experienced a personal breakthrough after a throwdown down session? Like, I'm just, I'm really curious, or maybe you have a great story. Uh, of your clients and how they've also experienced some of these breakthrough moments. I just love to hear about 
how does this play out in action? Yeah, so here's a big thing for me, specifically during my chemotherapy. So I had 16 cycles of chemotherapy. 16? And the first four, 16 treatments. Yeah, it was oh pretty God. brutal. Wow. It was brutal. Wow. Yeah, and so the first four were the A and C. I could look up uh, the technical terms. It's not important. The thing is, A and C was this bright red color. Whoa. And they literally had a, they had a nickname for it, the Red Death. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's really motivating. Okay, no, just sitting there in a heated towel, a heated blanket with all your yeah. layers because I started chemotherapy end of July. Mm. So I'm in this nice little, they fool you with the lounge chair with the, the flip-up feet, right? And yep. you got your cushy blankets. They got the crackers for you and the juice. And then the nurse comes and goes, okay, I'm going to get your chemotherapy. And she brings up this bright yellow tray, but she has to gown up. With a mask before she will touch it. Mm. But they're going to pump that into my IV, into my body. Yeah. And then 16, and then 12 cycles out of that of the T, which caused pretty severe neuropathies. Because the nerve damage in your hands and feet are happened because they can't direct the chemotherapy just to your cancer. It goes throughout your body. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So during that time, I had to but still while they pumped poison into me. Mm. That's how you get saved, right? So I did that. I wanted to go through the Western medicine. I could not leave my children who were teenagers. Mm. Why am I going to this? I just want to give you the backdrop. During that time, I started uh, 400 days of dance. So basically, I committed to picking out five random songs on my playlist. And then a friend was doing a challenge where she would give you a cue to rotate through those five songs 20 times. That equaled 100 days. Okay. And you videotaped yourself. Every time? And Every time and every wow. song, you could do a minute of the song. You could do the whole song. One cue was just freestyle to whatever you felt like. So one day I would do song one, day two I would do song two, and so forth until you hit 100 days. And the goal was to get used to looking at yourself mm. in, the, in your video. Most of us shy away from that. And it was also look at yourself with Care Bear Stare. Yes. Right? Thank you, know, you for that physically. nice 80s reference. I love it. <laughs> yes. Care Bear Stare, right? The shining, because yeah. we're an audience member watching children. We're usually going, oh my God, you're so, you just walked yeah. on the stage. You're adorable. Ah. We don't give ourselves enough of that gaze, right? Because if I look at myself in the past, I'd be like, all right, well, kind of look old, you know, look at the weight you gained. And, or if a dance video, well, you didn't hit the mark. You don't look as good as the other women that I've seen or the other dancers and performers. Mm. We're taking away that automatic thing. So I did this four times. A fifth, I didn't complete my fifth rotation because I was done with chemo and the whole uh, year of infusions after that. My point being is it was the movement every day to combat the being stuck in a chair for radiation, for surgery, for chemotherapy, for my infusions. It's pretty traumatic. And to see if you, if I go back and look, because I've actually looked at it before, has I first started I didn't really feel it. Then I, when I really started to feel it, then when you were just endurance, it was an endurance trip trying to get through all the treatment. And then towards the end, as I started to come out of that haze, I used to get occasional standing ovations. And then I started getting standing ovations every time I performed. So in retrospect, it's because I was transforming through the movement during my treatment. 
in my haze, I thought, oh, they just feel sorry for me because I'm going through cancer. I'm bald. You can, yeah, you can see that I'm like not well. And it wasn't. When I go back and look, I knew how to make myself up. I didn't look sick. Hit another level of performance where I was right. touching people's hearts at a vibrational frequency that I did not have before I did that during my treatment. Drum and I was winning competitions. I was competing too and winning competitions. Gosh, that's just awesome. Do you have some of those videos on social at all from where you started in transitions of your dancing, especially over those hundred days? I can only imagine the shift can be visually seen in you. And and to think yeah. Like, that's just incredible. Is there actually that kind of content? Because I'd love to link to that content in our notes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'll send you videos of okay. my performances yes. prior to cancer, like yeah. right before I got diagnosed and then during the treatment and then just as I was finishing. Because a few of them have, you can see people standing up and I was like, whoa, what's going on? It was, it was a very interesting shift. Did you find that other people in, the, because I know often there's a room for, for the treatments that, I guess sometimes it can be a, a very personal, have your own room. But I know a lot of the times when I've had visited friends when they were doing chemo, you know, there might be a bunch of those lounge chairs set up. And there might be a, 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 you know, you start to get to know people because they might be on a similar sort of protocol. And I was curious, did anybody else pick up some dance moves while you were there? Did anybody else pick up on your vibe and just wanted to jive with you? I was one of the younger people okay. because if you, if they're unfortunately now the age of people with breast cancer is actually getting lower. Yes, I was one of the few people getting breast cancer at a younger age back then because most of the people I was surrounded with were older in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s getting chemo in that unit. I wasn't really allowed to dance around because everyone was hooked up to pretty toxic chemicals on IV pools. Oh, God, yeah. However, I was well known for wearing onesies. You know, I would be in my monkey onesie. I would be in this onesie that my this colored wig. So I, I brought my own party. And when you walk in and they have to sedate for the chemo. So I, I would sit, get my IV and they would give me, there's, um, uh, what is it? The antihistamine that we normally yeah. take. And they give it to you in liquid form about 50 times stronger than what we would normally have access to. So the first 20 minutes, everything's funny to me. My husband's loud chewing, which normally drives me crazy, was hysterical to me during those <laughs> first 20 minutes. And I would be laughing. They would think there was something wrong. They were like, are you okay? And I'd be like crying from laughing. Wow. Spewing crackers everywhere, just having a party with myself. And then I would fall asleep for the next two hours while they were pump pumping the poison in. So it wasn't necessarily safe for me to dance during yeah. chemo. However, yeah. when I was out, I was, would be the times I would do the, the recordings. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Because all I can see is you just, it almost reminds me of Robin Williams, Patch Adams. Remember the old doctor and just bring out the nose and you'd get the whole ward you know, uh, doing, yeah. stuff, you know? So I was just, yeah. I could see your energy being very contagious, but also welcomed reprise from some of the negative energy that we often experience going into a hospital of any type, especially under those circumstances. So I just, I can imagine that just your energy coming into the room was very welcome. It didn't really matter to me at that point. I, I had nothing to lose my boo. Like seriously, because people would be looking at me or why is she doing a photo shoot in her monkey onesie on the bench in front of the oncology hospital? I'd be like, hey, what's up? And they yeah. didn't understand, don't understand because I have to fool myself into some type of movement where it's a choice versus being stuck. Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, it was super important to do that. And in retrospect, 
I was surrounded by people who really were making plans to die. The perspective when you're going into chemo, because my husband had testicular cancer Mm. 20-something years ago, almost 30, we counted up because our kids are now 25. So back then, he had a curable. He was lucky. They had just come up with a cure for the type of cancer he had. Mm-hmm. And I remember the nurses, he was 26, telling Young. him, listen, yeah, listen, we just want to make sure mind, we want to make sure you understand mindset is everything. Mm-hmm. They said to, we we're newly married at that time in our 20s. And they said to Michael, listen, you have a curable cancer. You need to know in your head and mindset that you are going to be fully expressive in your life. You're going to have kids with your wife. You're going to have an amazing life ahead of you because we've had clients, patients, they call them back then, who would be told they were curable, but decide they heard the word cancer and they were going to die. And no amount of chemo medication we pumped into them saved them. They would still die. And we'd be like, what is going on? You just decided you have cancer, you're going to die. And then there were people who were told six months and they lived three years further because they were like, uh uh-uh, uh, we leave when I am done with my business, my bucket oh, list. Yes. yes, that's just that mind over matter. It's so funny. The you know, mind doesn't, if we don't mind, it doesn't matter, right? It's just, yeah. it's amazing that where our attention goes, our energy flows. You know, Tony Robbins, a lot of the other gurus like to say, but there's so much validity and truth to that, right? We know that. And if we apply a lot of energy to the negative, it's amazing how we create more negatives. And, Bingo. Uh, Protecting those, those inputs. I, and actually curious about the inputs. Because you're obviously putting uh, motivational music and sounds, audible sounds to create those vibrations. And then you tune into your body with that. And I think that's wonderful. But it's, again, guarding your inputs. Was there anything that you tried to avoid or change as far as what you were feeding your mind? Because I know I recognize the mindset's very, very key, especially in overcoming something a, a, as serious as cancer. And so what were you doing to sort of protect those inputs? or, or to keep that positive mindset because that's not always easy come on let's be real here it's very scary it's very scary and and well positive is oh man so please take it away i'd love to hear your thoughts on that first of all thank you so much for bringing me here in front of your amazing audience okay because i'm just so honored thank you for well the real fact of it we're post panini we're your post panini I called the lockdown the panini. The panini. Okay, where, 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 the why panini. the panini? I, I want to hear why the panini. Similar to your question, right? Uh-huh. One's in a different place of understanding what COVID lockdown was and different definitions of that. That's why I call it the panini because everyone knows immediately what I'm talking about. And we're not going to get into an argument about what it means to them, right? Because yeah. I've had friends who lost people and I've had people who never were right. really affected by it other than being locked down. So if I call it the panini, then we can agree on that, right? Use that framework because there was such a dark time for the whole world. The world is irrevocably changed since the panini, right? Yeah. For me, I'm an empathic person because I have found in my healing, most empaths come from periods of time we weren't feeling safe at all. So we decided the only way to be safe is to be empathic, meaning I can predict when people around me are going to get in a bad mood, which means then I may not be safe. Ring a bell? Yes, it does. Right? 
So now recognizing that means used to pride myself on being a person of service and now radically looking at my healing, that only was my way of being safe. So audience members look at that. Some of us are not necessarily natural servers. Mm-hmm. We're servers to keep safety in our lives because we don't have much choice. So once I turned that on its head, I went, wait a minute. So I don't need to hold space for every single person suffering in this world. I don't. What do you mean? I'm allowed to not look at the news. But then how do I make a difference in the world? And my healers have said to me, so you're going to limit your reach to people because you're so consumed with holding suffering for people. How are you doing? Like the suffering and the torture of people have existed in all time. Bad things happen every other second. Yeah. What about the positive you can do? Yes. Who are you going to touch in a positive way instead of touching and holding the negative? I want to tell you a really important story. Oh my gosh. So yes. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm Asian. What? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you're, you're Jenny Cohen. You're kind of mm-hmm. by the Jew. All right. So here's the thing. I have a really interesting perspective shared by a friend of mine. His name is, we'll call him Sam, right? And uh, Sam is very darker hued in appearance. And he told us a story how he normally travels a lot. And people would not know his ethnicity. They weren't sure if he was Egyptian or a darker hued Turkish person or a black man from the States. It just was open to interpretation. Mm. And he was finding he was always being stopped in Germany. Always in Germany for business, he would get stopped by immigration. And one time they said, you need a visa. And he's like, I've been here so many times, I don't need a visa. And he ended up in the paddy wagon to jail. What? And he looked. Yes. And he looked in the paddy wagon and it was surrounded. It was all black men in the paddy wagon. Oh, come on. Right. He goes and goes through the process and he comes home and he's talking to his mentor. And his mentor said, Sam, I'm not saying there isn't racism. There is. I just want to point out something because, you know, you pay me the big bucks to be your mentor. You light up when you talk about these stories like nothing else when you talk about your travels. You light up. And sometimes I can hear the stagnation in the story. And I want to just bring to your attention does your subconscious search for more of those type of situations so you have more to talk about? Because his brain was addicted to the negative experience. Yeah. And he opened his eyes. And after he worked and went, wait a minute, I could go through immigration. There are other racist people in the immigration. There aren't only people who want to pick on me. There are other BIPOC immigration people I could go to. Yeah. And once he addressed that, he stopped getting stopped in Germany. Wow. So what I'm saying to us right now is I want us to be forces for change versus just holding everybody else's garbage. Well said. Said. Yeah, because I know that in psychology, there's that that reticular activation system, right? And, and people probably heard the reference. It's like you want a certain model of car, a certain make, certain year, certain color. And it's like you, you tell yourself, that's the car I want. You start looking at ads, right? And all of a sudden, wow, there it is again on the road. There it is again. On the road. We start to take notice of it. And it's because the subconscious is now tuned into searching for that because it believes that's what we want. 
And, and I think it's on that same effect of what you're speaking to, but it's to the negative, right? We normalize the seeking of negative. So of course, we're going to just keep doing it, right? And, that, and it's interesting because I think you've really touched on the vein there that this is human behavior too, right? And just how many times do we find ourselves just doing the conditioned response that we've always done and wondering, geez, why doesn't things get better? Yeah, my RAS is really geared towards finding stray kittens on the road. I'm That's good for me. I love saving kittens. They find me. <laughs> That's a good connection. And I'm starting to notice now certain people will bring a certain reaction back in the past because the universe won't stop testing us just to make sure. Are you sure you want to go in that direction? Noticing I'm getting better at recognizing and going, I really would not like to go back in that direction. So I'm going to politely say no. And that's okay. That's part of healthy boundaries, people. Mm -hmm. Like, say yes to this amazing podcast. Come back for all the other guests. All right? Because we're going for 10,000 downloads, y'all. Sorry. <laughs> Easily within the end of this year, right? Thank you. And at the same time, who's what really resonates for you? Mm. In the past, I would sign up for something and force myself to stay because of this false sense of loyalty. And if it doesn't serve you, let it go and say, hey, thank you so much for being in my life right now. And then bye-bye. No, thank you. I love that. Yeah, boundary setting. Oh, my goodness. That, that's a whole other episode in itself. And uh, knowing just with the time today, and I'd like to take a second because I, I'm sure there's people with a bajillion questions right now listening to this or watching this. And right so, I have lots of questions, but don't worry. All of Jenny's contact info is in the show notes. I expect you to reach out to her and ask those questions. But more importantly, you've got a book that you've written about this whole experience and this methodology, and it's the outside in recovery, right? Outside in recovery. Yes. Can you speak to that? And what is like the best chapter? The chapter that people, if they've heard, listened to anything that we've said today and taken a couple of little nuggets away, but if there was one chapter in your book that, you know, would just take this home for them. Can you share a bit about that chapter as well as obviously the whole book, if it's a quick overview, but What's the chapter that you really feel people need to listen to or watch? Or, or two. Yeah. Okay, two. good. Take it away. Two. I mean, look, the whole book is really cute and entertaining, <laughs> even though it's about my cancer journey, but seriously. Sure. <laughs> Fun. Most important. Most important because I wasn't given permission to do this and it was something held over my head. Nice and allow yourself to have anger. Anger is really important. There was a reason why you found the felt the anger is usually related to powerlessness. So once you recognize it, you can then cut off the energy of what has power still over you. The anger will die away. If you don't recognize the anger and you allow it to fester in you, it becomes a poison in you. You know that saying? You maybe don't know the saying. I'm going <laughs> to say it anyway. Staying angry at someone is drinking poison and expecting it to hurt your enemies. So if you recognize the anger and then Figure out what part of it do you need to let go of. So let me be clear. We are not talking about forgiving people if they were unjust to you. I'm going to straight talk. Straight talk has been difficult for one of my kids who ha we found in trigger warning some A when they were little kids, right? Mm -hmm. And the people that we trusted to take care of our kids, family members. Mm. And they're not at that point. I'm just about getting there. It's mm -hmm. forgiveness. You don't need to do that. You can let go of that anger that's poisoning me because it's not doing them anything. They don't care. Yeah. 
damage is done. They've gone on to their better selves and their better lives. And I'm dealing with trying to get my daughter to stay alive because of it. Right. And the poisoning of the anger I had to release so I could heal. Because then it's, there's no more power over you. Right. Mm-hmm. The second thing is understanding where you are now right in that or in your life is your homeostasis where you're comfortable. And if you're not happy with where you are, which means that you know there's a problem versus you're not sure you're happy in your problem. Just know your subconscious is keeping you there. Just analyze it a little bit. All right. Because <laughs> uh, some people are like, no, my life is great. Uh, great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and at the same time, you are programmed to grow. You are programmed to grow. If you stay stagnant, it's actually on the other side of starting to go away from growth in life, right? So we're always, there's rest. We've got to grow. Your homeostasis is affected by a couple of different things. Your actions and your beliefs and your feelings. Those kind of work together to give a result. Mm -hmm. And some of the beliefs that we're functioning under are from our childhood we haven't fully analyzed. And or some of the actions we're doing right now are just force of habit and we just don't want to change them, right? Or an emotion, anger that we have to change about it. All you need to do is adjust one of those three things. It will change. And if you elevate one of those, Mm -hmm. everything will come up to meet that in your homeostasis. You don't have to change everything. Change one little thing. Mm -hmm. Stay consistent. Everything will shift up. I love it. I think that's, I mean, if that doesn't get people excited to read the book, I don't know what will. But I, I know it, it's something that's, I don't think labor of love is the right description, but I imagine, I, what was the inspiration to just write the book? Because I, I do, I know just reliving some of that, that must be somewhat overwhelming at times you know, to also be bringing back some of those thoughts and feelings that you experienced when you were going through that. And I'm just, like, what was the inspiration to just bring the book out? Was there a moment in your life? Was there something that happened that was like, you know what? I'm writing a book about this whole thing. Oh. During the Panini, yes. <laughs> I launched the Dance to Heal Wellness Program, and I was a little bit lost. I wasn't sure how to get people from A to B. Hmm. And the final missing link of my program, which was the Avalon Empowerment Evolved Neurolinguistic Programming that I did. They make you heal yourself. Seriously, you should any program you want to coach, you'd be healing yourself first, folks. And it has to be a long enough rotation to make a big enough difference. Okay. Yes. And that was the missing link. And they introduced me through referrals to uh, this amazing woman named Angela of Difference Press. And so we invested the money to write the book because it helped yeah. me formalize the Dance to Heal program. And so that's why we wrote the book. And I just loved the way Angela coached us. She said, your book is a love letter to your client. And at that time, it was someone who's just finished breast cancer treatment, completely lost, and don't understand why we have survivor guilt. Mm -hmm. We have anger. And then we don't know why we can't see ourselves in the mirror. Like, what happened? It doesn't really matter because I was doing full makeup competing, performing, yeah, teaching. And I look in the mirror and not be able to see me. And that's something that we start to take apart. And ironically, all my private clients now are, are, I think, almost the me before I got the breast cancer. Isn't that hero's journey? 
Yeah. You've come back and now you're guiding others from that similar journey and pointing out where the pit stops are, and but also where the pitfalls are. And uh, yeah, beautiful. Yes. I, here's the thing. One of the things I really love is, is you know, the story of you're walking out of a seat and you fall in a hole and you mm-hmm. climb out and you're like, what the heck? And then you next day you walk down the street, you fall back in the hole and you're like, stop it. Stop walking. What? Okay, fine. And then the third day, you walk, you, hit, you see the hole and you walk around the hole, but the hole's still there. And then finally, the next day, you're like, I'm just not going to go down that street anymore. Like, it does not serve me. Why do I want to avoid the hole? Just go down another street. Folks, it's time for you to choose another street. Fill in the hole. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And I think that's great advice. And I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask this because on the lighter side of things, there was a dance move you had to go to to tap into your subconscious. Like, what is the move of your favorite move to do? What would be something that we could do? On this whole 2% solution idea is also you providing some insights into how people can invest for seven days, for one week. This is the invitation after every guest comes on. If you're to work with somebody, one of our listeners or viewers, oh, and give them one week invitation to do 30 minutes or less a day of a certain thing so they could experience a little bit of what you've experienced in all these years of going through this journey, what would that thing be? What would that habit be? What would that activity be? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Okay, easy peasy, ready? All right. It's right. going to be super fun. So all you do is first you tune into your five senses. I always have Earl Grey tea. If you're watching the video, you see me sipping my be yourself, everybody else's taken mug, <laughs> yeah? And you smell your favorite smell. You taste your favorite taste. Mm. You tune into the sounds around you. Like I share an office space. So my husband's tapping on his keyboard. My cat is shifting and snoring over there. I can hear the sounds of the traffic. Then you feel your butt cheeks in your seat, your feet in your shoes on the floor, your clothing on your body. And if you're naked, just feel the seat in the your butt. And some people listen to this naked. That's to make sure we include those people. No one's left behind. (laughs) All right. And then you let clothing or your seat feel you. Then your gaze is very, very softened, meaning you're going to elevate. So wherever your eye gaze is level, you're going to bring it up a couple inches and then open up your periphery. So your five senses smell, taste, hearing, sense, and vision. You're going to inhale one, two, three, four. Exhale, five, four, three, two, one. Sway to your right, sway to your left. Tune into your five senses for me. Deep breathing. This is where you might hit your favorite song. Mm. I'm not sure you've given me music capabilities. I'm not going to sing to you. Just imagine your favorite type of music playing right now. And then that's just level. This is good. I'm usually listening to somebody, but Aniko... I've been yes. watching Kate dramas and some of the songs we just love. So we just play their soundtracks all the time. And that is it. You do that for five minutes or at least a minute of your favorite song. This is what I did during my 100 days of improv. Wow. If this is like, oh, I got this, this is easy peasy. You can elevate it by adding one last thing. Besides the swaying, we hold a lot of memories in our core. So what you're going to do is put your hands on your belly and inhale. Expand your belly and then exhale. Close your belly. Now you're going to separate your breath from the contraction, right? Meaning you're going to be able to go five, 
four while you're expanding and contracting your stomach. So count out with me. Five, four, three, two, one. Some people are like, I don't want to talk. And just hiss. Go back to your five senses. This is all while the music is playing. And then expert VIP like ninja level is you're going to add the rhythmic contractions of your stomach to the beat that you hear in the music. So if you want to add a layer, you're swaying side to side with the stomach contractions, breathing, tuning into the five senses. Cool. Now you dance. Make some tunes now. Yeah. <laughs> like belly dancing because it's what's one of the first really dance forms I love. But I do hip hop, contemporary. I do belly dancing. My husband and I do ballroom dancing when we can fit that into our schedules. You don't discriminate against dance moves, I can tell. That's cool. Oh, man. But before we finish up, because this has been just an amazing, but very insightful conversation, but also just so simple. You know what I mean? Like it's simple for people to tap into this. And also the way that you deliver the message and explanations, I have to commend you. I can tell that you've spent a lot of time making this easy for all of us to follow, but also to take action with. And so thank you for that. And, uh, you know, the question for you right now is if you could choreograph, okay, for anybody live or dead right? It just doesn't matter. But let's just say you're going to choreograph some dance for someone. Who would that be? Who would you love to choreograph a dance or maybe have one of these meditative dance-offs with? If it was anybody that you could imagine doing it with, who would it be? Oh, okay. So when you first started asking the question, I got a vision of um, two people who are no longer with us because I want to be really clear. I present as a really put together person who's almost like I present as an extrovert and I'm actually very much of an introvert. Okay. And the two people who are no longer with us because they took their own lives mm-hmm. and they presented as extroverts. And I wish there had been someone like me for them to heal. Of course, that's not my place to say that they shouldn't have left when they did. I'm just sure. saying the mm-hmm. reasons why they left I would have loved to have danced with either Robin Williams or Twitch. Oh, wow. Yeah. DJ Twitch. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. Robin Williams. Oh, my goodness. That would have been a hoot. Holy smokes. See you guys well, cut the rug. So much. <laughs> thing is, right, the, the, he had so much pain. And I want to speak to the audience members who don't think anyone sees the pain they're under. Because now when I go back, it's like I see my pain in their eyes when I yes. go back, yes. right? And we're all connected. So we're all connected, folks. You are not alone. Mm. When you move, you can feel all of us in community with you. When you dance, I'm dancing with you. And I know that community is a huge part of your vision for Dance to Heal. And I, what I love, before I ask you the last question, is how do you envision it? What is the vision that you have for Dance to Heal and the program that you're bringing to the world? Like, what, I know you've got a big vision. And where is it at? Like, where are we going? And how can we help you? All right. So listen. listen. If, if you can just commit to being connected with yourself, dancing is just one modality to connect mind and body. Mm. Because it's got to be a super highway instead of this dirt paved road. You know, it's got to be a super highway between our brains and our bodies. I love Asian dramas because they talk about how we have these immortals that come down to the human plane 
to experience all of our trials of being human, that elevates celestial beings' cultivation. Mm. If you watch any of these shows, all the immortal shows say, I want to go down to the human realm and, and ex- ex- experience pain and pleasure and loss and death. Yeah. And that increases their essence of being a spiritual being, right? Mm-hmm. I want more of that for us here in this plane. Mm-hmm. And I know that dance is one easy way to do it. I want everyone to be able to dance and know this is their birthright. I want us to be able to and dance, whether we're together or not, to immediately feel that connection on a global level. Because a lot of us are actually alone. We have quite a lot of people listening to your amazing podcast who are alone, even if they're surrounded by people. And I want you to dance to feel that connection, that you are not alone. You're a part of the whole. And then my biggest thing is just, I want people to be doing dance to heal with me. I'm going to look for applicants within the next five years. We've got to make this global. Yes. Yes. We will provide all those links to your platforms. Uh, But if people wanted to connect with you and really start this process of getting to know you and your methodologies and really, let's be honest, pick up on some of the great energy you're throwing down. Because again, we're all about the input. So here's a very good input that is healing as well as very growth orientated. So what channel of yours would be the best for people to connect with? All right. So they can get a free class from me at dance and heal. Yeah. It's a whole hour where half of it is a cardio belly dance class. And I walk you through it. You don't have to memorize anything. You just have to have a little clear space. And I'm like, all right, Mark, right, left, right, left. All right, step, touch, step, touch. All right, feet, step, touch, feet, step, touch. And you just be with me. There are little form uh, reminders on the screen. Uh, tune into your five senses. Mm. And the second half of the video is myofascial release. So mm. we have sheet that carries memories on our body and we're releasing all that. Plus, most of us are on a computer, so our shoulders are yeah. hunched. So yeah. we stretch up the front of the neck and that's going to be impingement in your neck. I was an OT, so I'm all about oh, yeah. being <laughs> ergonomically correct at your seat. Right? Yep. And then that will pop you into my email list. If you really want to talk to me, and I really want to talk to you, know this, you can either email me at jenny at jennycohen.com. Mm-hmm. Ooh, did I just give you all my private email? Yes, you can uh-huh. email me there. Well, don't worry, it's in the show notes too. Get in there. And then I'm going to ask that my booking link be popped. So literally you could just book a 25-minute call with me immediately and just be like, I need to talk to you uh, now. Wonderful. Great, because I blocked off time for that. Oh, Jenny, thank you for that offer. And also just for making yourself available for people, especially if you're listening to this and hearing that, please know what Jenny's thrown down today, especially that piece about alone or loneliness. It is literally one choice difference between being alone and feeling lonely. It's just, it's one choice and one action that separates the two. But it's very, as someone that's personally gone through this a few times myself, I can honestly say community is key. It also involves communication and learning how to be more vulnerable to say, hey, you know what? I am feeling this way and I don't want to feel this way anymore. Is anybody else that's like that? Yes. And as soon as we start opening up about it, it's amazing how many people come out of the woodwork and say, oh my gosh, me too. I had no idea. I wasn't the only person with this feeling. Well, we, we talk about it. It opens all of our eyes that, gosh, we're all living the same life. And what I mean by that is that it's right back to the connectivity piece that you shared today. So I just have to commend you on everything because I can see how it all comes together beautifully. 
And it's just such a wonderful modality that also elevates our spirits. And it's fitness, people. You're moving your body with purpose. So everything, there's lots of checkboxes, okay? Uh, Jenny, I'm going to give you the last word today before we leave. If there was anything that you'd love to share to inspire, motivate, or continue to educate like you've been doing wonderfully today on this, this conversation, what words would you like to leave with the audience today? To move the Titanic of your life, it just takes one tiny degree, tiny pivot, and eventually you'll shift it. So keep giving yourself grace, okay? And just keep trying and keep reaching out. We're waiting for you to come and join us. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love the Titanic reference because I usually often refer to that as the big ocean liner, right? Like I, I don't use the Titanic. I guess it would make a lot more sense to say Titanic because everyone knows what the Titanic is. So thank you for that insight and just wonderful reminder because it is, it's the smallest pivots, especially over time, you know, the 2% solutions, all about the small little shifts that we make and how they add up to big, massive shifts over time. And it's that positive compound, which is amazing. And today you've been just such a beautiful guest, both uh, figuratively and literally, okay? And, and I got to say thank you for your time today, Jenny. I, I was so ecstatic when you agreed to be on here because I already knew that we'd have a great conversation, but I also knew you'd bring the energy. And thank you for doing that today. And uh, I, I am excited because if everybody loved this podcast, make sure you reach out to Jenny, check out Dance the Hill, check out her book, but more importantly, leave a review. And if you have something positive to say about today's episode, please leave it. And I'd love to have Jenny back. And, She'll be back, but we'll have her back in a few months to give us another update. And I actually think kind of fun if we could plan it. So maybe we have some freedom around our machines here and we do some dance move. We, we show some people some basic mechanics and how they can start tapping into this. If you're open to it, Jenny. Oh, heck yeah. If you had just taught me how to jam music, I would have had us moving because <laughs> I don't need that much room, y'all. Like I dance, I'm the queen of the chair dancing personally. <laughs> and I think that would be great. And. Uh, don't worry, I'll have that figured out for next time. I know there's a way I can share the audio. I, again, everybody knows I'm new in this. I'm under two months so far, but hey, I'm figuring it out as I go because of great people like Jenny. And uh, so with that, I, I just want to say goodbye, Jenny. Thank you again for being here today. It was insightful. It was, but it was also extremely valuable for all of us to grow as people. And so yes, big heart to you too. And look forward to having you back. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it. What an inspiring session with my guest today, Jenny Cohen, exploring how dance can be a powerful tool for recovery and self-expression. Jenny's journey from Taipei to becoming an outside-in recovery master and creating the Dance to Heal program is a testament to finding beauty and strength in our bodies, regardless of life's happenings. As Jenny reminds us, it's possible to dance our way to healing and reclaim the safety and perfection of our bodies. Today's conversation moved you we encourage you to take that first step towards healing through movement. Share this episode, leave a review if Jenny's story touched your heart, and subscribe to the 2% Solution Podcast for more empowering stories. Let's dance our way to healing, one step at a time. Thank you for listening, and remember, your journey to recovery and self-acceptance is just a dance away. Dance away.